0: and And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown eat your inside pass to everything Saints football and the kick is good we'll take you to places most fans never go we'll watch from 60 to practice to the sideline to the locker room Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! T-T-T-Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again! And guess who? Mike Thomas! Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. (laughs) Oh, baby! Welcome in This is Inside Black and Gold, a special... Free agency edition of Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak. You can call me on Twitter at Jeff_underscore_Nowak. Wherever you're listening, make sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. I get asked a lot how people can help us out because obviously we don't charge for this. And what I try to tell people is: one, make sure you're subscribed wherever you can subscribe. Two, leave a rating, leave a review. It really does help. I know it say that a lot, and it might not sound like it does, but it really does. And three. You know, one way that people can help us out is just, you know, if, you, if you're if you talking to somebody, if you have a Saints friend, they're like, hey, I'm looking for a new podcast, recommend us. That's all I ask. I hope you all enjoy it. Let me know what you like, what you don't. Hit me up on Twitter, whatever. And I really, enjoy, I really appreciate the feedback. Helps me help you, right? But without further ado, we're going to get into it. We're going to have two segments in this show. The first half is going to be kind of running through kind of rapid fire, everything that has happened, including the splash that just happened, which happened while I was out on a run. If I look sweaty, that's why. Jamal Williams, the running back from the Lions, the NFL leader in rushing touchdowns, he's on the Saints now. So we're going to get into that. And then in the back half, we're going to answer a bunch of viewer questions, as many as we can get to. going to try to keep this to about 30 minutes. So get your questions and comments in there. We'll try to do this in a reasonable fashion. Right? Because I don't want to stay on too long because that will increase the, the risk that the Saints do something else while I'm talking. and that's that's never fun. It's always the risk of posting something on the internet during free agencies. by the time you're done with it, it's probably out of date. But without further ado, let's get into it. And let's start with the players that are gone, because most of it happened prior to the first day of free agency, which is today. It happened during the legal tampering period. Only two of these actually happened today and both also happened during a legal tampering period. The free agent deals did not become official until 3 p.m. Central time on Wednesday. And so we can just kind of hit on the first two. We've talked about them a lot in the earlier podcast this week. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, you can get a lot more information. But David... Defensive tackle, David Onyemata, headed to the Falcons. Defensive tackle, Shai Tuttle, headed to the Panthers. Now, those were the two early moves, and we really dove into them in depth in the last podcast. But right after we finished recording, maybe maybe 45 minutes after we finished recording, there was just a torrential downpour of of Saints news at about 8 p.m. uh, on Monday. And it started with Caden Ellis getting pride away from the Saints to the Falcons. And I saw a lot of people kind of say, man, this this sucks. I really didn't want to lose that guy. And I agree with you. I didn't want the Saints to lose Caden Ellis. But when you look at the inside linebacker salary rankings, three years, $21.5 million, about $7.2 million a season, you know, if you fudge the numbers a little bit, that ranks him about 13th in the NFL in terms of inside linebacker salaries. And just look at the team you're talking about, right? he was not going to start as good as he was last year. He was not going to beat out Pete Warner at the will spot. He was not going to beat out Demario Davis at the Mike spot. And while you may have wanted to try to retain him. And I think the saints did want to try to retain him. You just can't justify paying a top 15 salary, which would have been more than you're paying Pete Warner on his rookie deal for a guy who is going to be your Sam, which you just don't use that much. And your backup, your depth linebacker, you can't afford it. And as, as frustrating as that is, it's just a product of, man, this guy played himself into a deal. And then another thing that happened is your defensive line coach and co-defensive coordinator went and is now coaching the Falcons. And so if there was any chance you had at retaining David Onyemata and Cade Nellis, that went out the window the second Ryan Nielsen went over to Atlanta and he got to talk to Terry Fontenot and said, hey, we have all this cap space. Let's blow David Onyamata and Cade Nellis out of the water with contracts. And that's what they did. And so it's a frustrating thing, but hey, they're essentially just giving Saints comp picks next year. So (laughs) you kind of give give and take. It is going to be frustrating because I think Cade Nellis is a very good player. But I think people also underestimate he's 27 years old. You weren't just going to wait around for him to eventually take over when DeMario Davis retired, unless you could keep him on a reasonable contract and I do not consider three years, $21.5 million to be a reasonable contract for a depth linebacker. Moving on, Shy Tuttle, that was the other one that happened early. Again, three years, $19.5 million. Good luck, right? Good for Shy. He got a bag. The Panthers overpaid there. I'm sorry. Like, Shai Tuttle has been solid. He has not been, you know, a top 30 defensive tackle in the NFL. And that's what he's getting paid like. So, you know, the the NFC South teams just came and wanted to steal away Saints players. I kept hearing about how the Saints had no talent on the roster last year. Well, it seems like the other teams in the division disagreed because they paid heavily. The other guy who went to another team late Monday night, Marcus Davenport. I was a little frustrated at this because... It's not even because I wanted the Saints to pay him a ton of money. I think $13 million for one season is way too much for what Marcus Davenport has done the last few seasons, but what it does is really just solidify what will go down as one of the bigger draft misses in the Saints history. Now, they've obviously had them, right? Like, they, you know, they drafted Stefan Anthony in the first round. He was off the roster within two years, right? You know, Jonathan Sullivan, uh, there are guys up there, right? Like, he's not alone on that list. But until he's off the roster, you say, okay, maybe he has a chance to turn things around. I don't think he was, you know, I, I hesitate to call him a a true bust because he did have his moments. It was more of a health issue than a talent issue. Like you saw it, clearly the Vikings saw it because they were willing to shell out $13 million to a guy for one season, but he's not the Saints' problem anymore. They don't have to worry about him anymore. So he will be an interesting guy to watch and he's, it's going to be frustrating if he does find his form and can stay healthy and ends up being a double-digit sack guy, which he very much is capable of. For now, the Saints have to have to kind of look at their roster and say, okay, where do we fill these holes? And the only reason the defensive end group feels weaker at this point than it should is that you have a first-round pick who has not played up to the, I don't know, expectations, I guess would be the word, for a first-round pick, and that's Peyton Turner, right? Like, if Peyton Turner can show up and be a guy next year, then all of a sudden you're like, we th- that's not even a loss. That is just a net positive in terms of you needed a path to get him on the field, and you got it. Now, we talked to Jeff Ireland at the Senior Bowl, and he was, he was very open and not guarded whatsoever in saying, Peyton Turner has work to do, and it is not all about you know, what he's doing on the field. It's preparation. It is making sure your body is where it needs to be. It's making sure you're the right weight, right? It's making sure your fitness is there. And that's not stuff you usually hear from a a talent evaluator at a, at a scouting event. I think that was a message being sent and hopefully he hears it because if you do get a first round talent in Peyton Turner, which I think he has within him, then, you know, the defensive line is in good shape. In my opinion, we're going to go through a couple of the guys that they added this morning, but 1st There was two other players who went out of town. Both of these guys was a guarantee they were going to be somewhere else, I think. I don't think you tried to retain them at all. Whereas I think the first four guys on this list, you probably did try to at least bring back at a reasonable number. But Andy Dalton is going to the Panthers. He could start there. The Panthers traded up for the top pick. He's like kind of the halfway bridge there. Like if you needed a bridge, he's the guy. So... He's probably going to battle with Matt Corral and whoever they draft, but I would expect Andy Dalton to be the week one starter in Carolina because you paid him like the week one starter. You gave him two years, $10 million. That is not just a throwaway contract. That is a contract for a guy who you think you might have to start, right? And worst case, he is a premium backup. So the Saints might end up facing Andy Dalton next year, which is an interesting caveat. The final one is Deontay Hardy. And the only thing that surprised me, is I very much expected Deontay Hardy to go to the Broncos because I thought Sean Payton was going to want to bring that guy in. But he's on the Bills. I think, you know, he's going to be a good player for them. I don't know how much he's going to be incorporated in the receiving game. You know, it might be a reason he went there if they did make him some guarantees in terms of being a part of the of the receiving game, but one way or another, he's still a return ace. He's still going to be very good. He's just got to stay healthy, which he was unable to do. This actually has a typo in it that should say bills. If you're, I'm talking about the video version. It says Deontay Harder to the Vikings. He actually did sign with the Bills. So I apologize. That is a typo. But those are the players that are gone. And something to keep in mind, the Saints with this list are in very good shape for potential comp picks going into next season. The maximum you can get is four in terms of comp- compensatory selections. The way it kind of stacked up with the free agents leaving, they would be looking at about two fourth-round picks and two seventh-round picks, which, you know, for a team that doesn't get a lot of comp picks, that would be a big addition. When you have six players leaving like this, you can't get six comp picks, but the fifth and sixth player can offset contracts. So as you kind of bring players in and it works against you in the compensatory pick formula, Those two, like Andy Dalton and Deontay Hardy, could cancel out other contracts. And that's going to be the case when we look at this next list. These are the players that the Saints either re signed, restructured, or signed on the free agent market. It's a little out of order, but I'm going to start with the players that they restructured, which was quarterback Jameis Winston, who lowered his salary from about 12.8 to 4 million with incentives that could bring it back up to 8 million. And the Saints offered him that deal saying, Hey, we will bring you back as a backup quarterback, but you have to be making backup quarterback money. And Jameis agreed with that. You know, he was he was down for it. It's an interesting choice by him. And you know, what I had been hearing from from some people who, you know, know about Jameis, right? Is he likes it here, right? Like he's comfortable in this situation. He's comfortable in this city. He really likes the city. He really likes the team. As hard as that might be to believe from for a team that effectively benched him and took away his job while he was hurt. He does like it here and he wanted to stay. I don't know what type of guarantees he could have had if he went out on the free agent market in terms of getting a starting job. He opted to stay. So, for the Saints, that is a win, right? You don't have to worry about your backup quarterback. You know he's here, he's on a reasonable deal, and if Derek Carr does go down, then you feel very comfortable if you have to turn to Jameis Winston. And this is the team that understands about needing a backup quarterback. If you go back to 2019, the Saints have played 66 games. 33 of those have been started by a quarterback who was not your week one starter. Now that's a little skewed by the fact that Andy Dalton by the end of last season was effectively the starting quarterback, but he was not the week one starter. So half of your games... Since 2019, have been started by someone who you did not go into week one saying this is our guy. Now that group is made up of obviously Andy Dalton, who started 14 games, Taysom Hill started eight, Trevor Simeon started five, Teddy Bridgewater started five, and Ian Book started one. I'm going off memory; the math might not add up there. I think Simeon might be four, but. Well, we'll see. I, th- I get confused by that week seven game with the Bucks, where he finished it, but he didn't start it. So that number might be up. But the point stance. This is a team that understands it needs a backup quarterback, and I have a very good one in Jameis Winston. The news that broke yesterday, shortly after that, Michael Thomas is coming back to town. If you had asked me three weeks ago even whether like the percentage chance I would have given this, I would have said maybe 15, maybe 20. But then the Saints signed Derek Carr. and We all saw Michael Thomas said, thank you, Jesus. And Derek Carr went up there and talked about his conversations with Michael Thomas and just really talked like a guy who fully expected to be throwing him the football. And from that point on, you know, it, was, it really just felt like a matter of time. And I think $10 million is a reasonable number. He needs to stay on the field. You know, that's the thing. Like, I love Mike Thomas. I'm glad he is back. He needs to stay on the field. And I don't know if he can. And that's the frustrating thing. But for the Saints... You have a one year out, and if he if it works out, great. If it doesn't, you know you're back in the same boat. But either way, you are you are still bringing him in, working him in with Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. and for a team that you know the head coach after the season said, "Hey, we need a contested catches guy." He's that guy, right? If he can stay on the field, he's that guy, and we saw that in week one. We saw it in week two. Just got keep to keep those feet healthy. He needs a lot of foot massages. I don't know. It's just those feet, the lower body, you can't get, can't get it done for him. All right. So the other returning players, and we don't need to get into these guys a ton because we talked about them previously. Tight end Jawan Johnson, two years, 12 million. That's a, that's a really good deal for him. And he, he, there's an investment there. He's going to be an integral piece of this offense. We're actually talking to him tomorrow um, he's scheduled to speak to the media tomorrow. So our episode that posts Friday, we'll, we should have that some of that audio and we can play it for you. Safety, JT Gray, special teams ace. You wanted him back. Tano passing, you, know, you you need depth along the defensive line, especially knowing what you know about the players leaving. So you got that there. Keith Kirkwood, just a good, just a good team guy. Uh, i I got a chance to sit down and talk to Keith at an event um, last year, and just he just he, like one of the things that stood out to me is like he played for the Panthers. Obviously, Matt Rule was his former coach, and he was like, "No, I just like New Orleans better. Like that's where I wanted to be, so that's where he ended up." And guard Calvin Throckmorton, um, just good depth there. But the last thing we'll talk about before we go to the break is the defensive tackle position. The cupboard was bare with Onyemata and Tuttle leaving. Malcolm Roach is also a free agent. You may bring him back. You may not, but you had to bring in bodies there. And that's what you did with Nathan Shepard from the Jets and Colin Saunders from the Chiefs. It is not Kalen. It is Colin. And we don't have the details on those contracts yet. I don't, I don't imagine they will be huge. But I do think that Colin is a really interesting player. He had rave reviews from... You know, his teammates on the Chiefs, Pat Mahomes is tweeting at him saying he'll miss locker room basketball. These are big dudes. Colin Saunders is out there doing backflips at the Senior Bowl a few years ago. Um, These are both Senior Bowl guys. That trend continues. I've said this a few times. One of the things Mickey Loomis told me is that one of the reasons they scout everybody is because when they become free agents and they have a good grade on somebody from four years ago, they're going to bring them in, and I guarantee you that's exactly what this was for both of these guys. The Saints got a really good look at them at the Senior Bowl in 2018 and 2019, and they became free agents, and they went after them. They're both guys that I think if you're the Saints, you're projecting, okay, they did X amount with these teams. They can do a lot more for us, right? Right. I don't know if they're going to be the guys you put in there as a, as a starting role. I don't think you're going to make any more big splashes in free agency, but I still think at either 29 or 40, you need to be looking at defensive tackle hard. These two signings, I think, make you feel a little better if you don't make that pick at 29. If there's someone you fall in love with and it's not a defensive tackle at 29, you feel a little more comfortable now <laughs> because I do think these guys are quality players and uh, you're, you're going to go from there. But the final... Signing and the one that everyone should be a lot, a lot more excited about than a couple of defensive tackles that you probably won't hear their names very much. Jamal Williams. I don't know if you, you guys are familiar with Jamal Williams. He had 17 rushing touchdowns last year. That led the NFL by four. The next closest was Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, and Jalen Hurts. All had 13, and those are some pretty impressive names. And for a team that needs a little punch down at the goal line, they had four rushing touchdowns from running backs last season. They had 12 total. Seven came from Taysom Hill, one came from Rashid Jaheed, and four came from the running backs. So this is a team that needed to add talent at running back. He's 27. BYU guy, this team loves BYU guys. I don't know why, but it's another BYU guy. He was actually teammates with Taysom Hill at BYU. He started his career on the Packers. I, I remember every time I watched the Packers while he was there, he was always just popping, popping, popping. He was a teammate of Aaron Jones for a while. And, you know, he just he's just a guy who you trust, I think. And for this is a team that needs someone in that backfield that they can trust if he has to start for six games because that might be the suspension Alvin Kamara is looking at I think it's going to be difficult to get through another season without seeing any discipline for Alvin Kamara. So that's a great, great pickup for them. Three years, 12 million, a very reasonable deal. Not it's it's similar to when you brought in Latavius Murray and, and that type of runner in terms of, you know, just a power back who can get it done on short yardage at the goal line. But despite only catching, I think, twelve passes last year, he does have a much better receiving skill set than I think Latavius did and to me that made it a little difficult with that platoon job when it was Latavius and Alvin as opposed to Mark and Alvin because when Latavius was in the game you were kind of projecting a certain type of offense you're not you're not you're not throwing to Latavius you know maybe as a maybe as a checkdown but you're not running swing passes right you're not running screens to Latavius where whereas with Mark it was really kind of you could do anything out of any set and I think that's what you're trying to get back to here with Jamal. Also, a very interesting character. If you've ever seen him in any interviews, I'm going to set the over-under at 1.5 for total Jamal Williams interviews before there is a reference to either Naruto or Pokemon uh, because he's a big Pokemon guy. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a hilarious interview with him after week 18 last year when he the, the Lions beat the Packers in a game that meant nothing to the Lions and meant everything to the Packers. And he's on the field and he's like talking about his grandfather. I think it was his grandfather who passed away and he's like bawling. And then within about 15 seconds, he experiences every the entire range of human emotion and he's yelling at the camera. It's like, you doubted us. It's very funny. I recommend, I'll, I'll tweet the link, but I recommend everyone go check that out because he's a character. He's a character and the Saints definitely have a interesting locker room interview guy that, you know, they, they kind of were without, you know, they had CJ for a while. CJ was always willing to say some weird stuff. And now you got Jamal in there. So I don't think the saints are done, but I think, I think these are the splash signings. I think you're going to see them kind of wait for one thing, because you want to maintain your comp picks, which they did not last year. They sacrificed the comp pick last year to bring in Andy Dalton. And I think that was a mistake. And I don't know if, because they could have waited on Andy Dalton. They could have waited and signed him around the same time as Tyron to avoid that. And they didn't. And I, I think that they regret that, uh, or at least they should. And so I think you're going to see them be a little more patient go for the rest of this week. Maybe they bring in a couple of low-level guys, but I don't think you're going to, you know, everyone wants a splash signing. I see people see, I see people say, oh, Calais Campbell, you know, guys like that. But, I think you're waiting. I think you're you're being patient and you're waiting out of the market, and seeing seeing if someone like Jarvis, for example, who might have higher contract expectations now than he will in a month or two, you know, maybe 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 at two, maybe a month, you know, after the draft, and you can bring him in on a more reasonable deal, right? Like, what if no one goes after Odell Beckham, right? He's out there working out. Maybe he just doesn't have a market. And he's like, hey, you know what? I'll go home. You know, just like Jarvis did. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. But you know, we're we're gonna see how that all develops. But that's gonna be it. I'm gonna wrap this segment up. We're gonna come back. And we're gonna do a mailbag. Thanks for everyone who's in here. We've got over a hundred people watching. I really do appreciate it. Got about 30 some odd comments in there. So we're gonna go to a break and I'm gonna star a bunch of comments, gonna come back. Stick around through that. But again, this is inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Thanks for everyone for being in here. This is a special free agent edition of the pod. I am obviously solo. Steve will be back for the normal episode of the week that posts on Friday, but there's just so much that happened in the last two days. I wanted to come on here and get a quick pod in, but stick around and we'll come back with that mailbag. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Gonna leave. The signings up to my right. Derek Carr is not on there. Um, Obviously, he should be. I was just looking at the signings that happened the last couple days, plus you know some of the re-signings. But hey, you know, this is what happens when the Saints make a signing at 7 p.m. and I have to scramble here. But we're gonna go through uh, a mailbag and we're gonna get into some questions that y'all had. Kind of going through questions, comments. You know, it's a it's 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 a whole it's a whole thing 504 Co not a question but we win in the south for sure. yeah I mean, I don't think that the other teams in the NFC South got that much better in terms of none of them have a quarterback you know you know if the if the Panthers bring in CJ Stroud right Bryce Young um, they obviously give themselves a better chance and that's probably going to be what they do they trade it up to number 1 although they there has been reports that they might trade out of that which is ridiculous to me they brought in Miles Sanders the Panthers did they obviously signed Shai Tuttle and uh Andy Dalton um i the, the Panthers don't scare me but that defense has given the Saints fits over the last couple of years and you know they're the Saints have to do better <laughs> they have to do better they have to do better against the Panthers there's there's no doubt about that but you know you look at the Bucks, they signed Baker Mayfield. He and Kyle Trask are going to compete for that job. Good luck. <laughs> and then obviously the Falcons, they they signed Taylor Heineke, and he's going to compete with Desmond Ritter. Maybe I don't I don't know if he's going to back him up. They they gave him a decent number on that contract. You know, I, there's just nothing happened in the NFC South that that tilts me in any way toward the other teams being competitive, right? And yes, the saints have holes now that they did not have before, but not as many as, as it, as you might think, right? You feel comfortable with the wide receiver room. You are betting on Mike Thomas being healthy, and that's the frustration I have on offense in terms of you gotta bring in somebody. I think as kind of Mike Thomas insurance. I don't know who that is, but I think you gotta do it. And is you need a you need a contested catch guy there somewhere. I feel good at tight end. I feel good at running back now. I think you still draft a guy just because you're gonna if if Alvin does get suspended six games, you need someone who's gonna be your RB two. And I don't know maybe yeah you know maybe that's Eno Benjamin maybe I don't know. I think if it was going to be, you know, Benjamin, you would have played him more <laughs> late in the season, but that's going to be something to watch. I still want Tajay Spears. I'm, trying, I'm still trying to uh, speak that into existence, but yeah, I mean, you go through all the positions, you feel better at quarterback, offensive line. I think you need to shore up the interior line, but you feel good at uh, the tackle positions. It'll be interesting to see if they bring James Hurst back. I think you want to, because I think having a swing tackle who can also play guard, you know, that's that helps um, not on the defensive side, a linebacker, you know, losing Ellis hurts. But I don't think it hurts significantly outside of, you know, if guys get hurt. Um, but, you know, you you spend a third round pick on Zach Bond. He can be a Sam linebacker. It's not a position you r- run out there that regularly. And then you just got to hope that Pete Warner and DeMario can get through the season healthy. Maybe you draft a guy, maybe DeMarco Jackson, fifth round pick at Appalachian State last year. Can stay healthy and get on the field and have an impact. I think you also bring back Andrew Dow, right? One of the reasons that I think you are okay with letting Caden walk is you have been developing linebackers, right? Like, like Caden was not Caden when he walked in the door, right? I mean, that's not true. Caden was Caden. Caden was not the Caden Ellis of 2022 when he when he walked off the field as an Idaho Vandal for the last time, right? Like he's been developing over the last few years. And so you hope that, okay, well, what can we get out of Andrew Dow? What can we get out of Marco Jackson? What can we get out of Nephi Sewell, right? These are guys who you've had in the system, have been working just like Caden had, and maybe they can make a splash. So I'm okay at linebacker. I'm okay at corner, obviously. Um, I think the Saints are as good at corner as they've been in years. And, you know, even in a season where you were without Marshawn Lattimore for a significant portion of it, you still had a really solid year from your cornerback group, and they're all back. You have Marshawn, you have Paulson, you have Elante, and you have Bradley. So, I mean, it's hard hard not to be confident there. There's a lot of hate. Sent it Tyron Matthew throughout the course of the season. I've been on record as saying I don't think he's as bad as people thought he was. And I think he really came on strong toward the end of the season. He had a career high in tackles. And then Marcus May. I'm not sold on Marcus. I think you do need to go draft a center fielder or bring in a, like a true center fielder at safety. I'm not going to say he's, he's a bust per se. I think he needs more time. And he needs to stay on the field. But I you know I'm not I'm not particularly sold on him. I think that is a weak spot um just in terms of you don't have a deep safety defensive tackle. I feel better about it today than I did yesterday in terms of these guys being brought in. I think you're gonna draft there and again defensive end if Peyton Turner plays like a first round pick and you can actually keep him on the field, then I feel great about it. if he can't, then I have serious questions. but yeah, I think if you're the if you're the Saints, If you felt good about your chances of winning the NFC South yesterday, you feel better about them today in terms of the pieces you were able to bring in. Austin Kalaska. Yeah, this is a guy, uh, he says, I love Carl Granderson, though much lower ceiling but reliable pass rusher. This is a guy I didn't even talk about at defensive end. But yes, the Saints do really like Carl Granderson. If you go back to the last several games of the 2022 season, he was starting over Marcus Davenport. And I think if there was any question of whether the Saints were going to be kind of all in on bringing Marcus back, you got that answer in those final few games because, you know, he played Marcus out of his job. Uh, You know, Mr. Two Firsts, as as people like to call him. Uh, And so, yeah, like there's quality depth there. And now you have a path to get Peyton Turner more reps. I like Tano Passigno. You probably need one or two more D end pieces, maybe someone who can kick out to D end from defensive tackle if you want to have a big set. But no, I feel good about the defensive end group. Here's another one from Austin. Jameis is a great dude. I appreciate that a lot. Best backup in the league. I don't know if he's the best backup in the league, but he's he's definitely up there. And you know, I don't I, I think Jameis is a good quarterback. I do. And and he's had a very rough last two seasons. You can't do anything about getting hurt and he's he's gotten hurt, you know. That knee injury was brutal and then I think that foot injury people underestimate how significant that was. Like everyone talks about the back injury. I honestly don't think the back injury was a big issue. It was the it was the knee injury. I'm sorry. The foot injury that really made it difficult for him cuz he couldn't move. He he couldn't protect himself and get out of get get out of harm's way. And that was what made things really difficult in the Panthers game. And when you see people very, very critical of Jameis, a lot of it is centered around the Bucks and Panthers game, and it, it makes me upset because we did see good Jameis. We saw it in the fourth quarter against the Falcons. We saw it a majority of the time in 2021, and you know, I I think it's like I. I did a whole long segment about how he deserves credit for how maturely he handled this the entire situation last season and losing his job while he was hurt. And this is another example of that, right? Like I don't understand why he gets so much hate sent at him. You know, maybe he's not as good of a quarterback as, as you want him to be. Maybe he's not as good of a quarterback as he might've been expected to be coming out of college as a first round pick and number one overall pick. But I mean, what does a guy have to do to 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 not get you know constant constant hate on the internet? Other than just be a good teammate and 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 do his job anyway. No, I I think it's the Saints were are fortunate that they were able to to keep not have to figure out their backup quarterback situation and have it solved like that. Like they didn't want to have to go out and spend ten million dollars to bring in Andy Dalton, right? Like that that wouldn't have been great. And if they had to cut him. They would have only saved four million against the cap, so they he actually helped them save an extra four million dollars against the cap by sticking around. So, you know, I don't I don't get the hate for Jameis. Um, I think he's just a good team guy, and the Saints got lucky there. Hungry Panda Studios. That's quite a it's quite a name. It says Lions fan here. I don't don't wouldn't a lion eat a panda? I don't know. It says you guys got a good one. Treat them all. He's talking about Jamal Jamal Williams. I, I'm a Jamal Williams fan. I was glad to see they were able to get him. I think on this podcast a few weeks ago, in a mailbag session, someone said, "Should the Saints go after Jamal Williams?" And I think at the time I said, "Yes," but I don't know if they can afford him because when you rush for 17 touchdowns in a season, um, you're going to get paid. And you know, fortunately, he he kind of came in a range. He got a decent contract, not a not a huge contract. And uh, yeah, I think he's he's a great he's a great addition the Keeping It Real Hudat Sports Podcast. Go check them out. It says, Saints won day one of the official free agency signing period. One day after losing D.T.'s Tuttle and Onyamata, you replace them with Saunders and Shepard. Then you go out and sign the NFL TD leader. And then he goes on to say it's a B grade, but it's a solid B. These are solid signings. I agree with that. I mean... You were never going to make big splashes here if you're the Saints. And if you're Nick Wright, you would say it's because of the way you manage the cap. If you're living in reality, you would say it's because you don't need to go make big splash signings, right? That's the thing is, like, everyone gets excited for these massive signings. Everyone gets excited when you overpay and you reset the market. Those deals typically are mistakes. Like... When you go down the road and you say, "Man, they they paid Endomicon Sue a record amount," blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden you are out of balance at the defensive tackle position for five years, that hurts you down the road, right? That's not a good thing. You don't want to be the team that does that, and that's what bothers me. And I I need to stop responding to Nick Wright on Twitter, but like, my my annoyance with the arguments, and I know that's not what this this question was about. It's like you either do it or you don't, right? Like you either pay too much to go get David Onyemata, or you let him walk. But if you sign him and then it's like, well, it's just an irresponsible franchise. are just throwing out money and kicking the can down the road. Or if you let him walk, it's an irresponsible franchise. This is what happens when you, when you can't afford people. So it's like you can't have it both ways. Either you think you should hand out big contracts or you don't. And I think the Saints have done a good job this season of not overreacting to A exploding defensive tackle market. Not overreacting to Ryan Nielsen ballooning the value of their own free agents just by the sheer fact that he's not there anymore. Um, And so, you know, I I think these are two quality guys. You look at the tape, and and they really do kind of pop out. I haven't got a chance to look too much into it, right? Like this is all 24 hours, not even. So we're gonna learn more about these guys. I'm sure will they'll be made available to the media in the next few days or so once they get into town and they actually sign these contracts. But no, I think I think these are two two really intriguing guys. Another Canadian. So you have managed to replace the Manitoba Mahler with I think he's from Ontario, maybe? I don't know. But no, I agree. Not the not a not a huge day, not a massive day, but you got the pieces you needed and that's a good thing. It's KD he says he's a big anime fan. I love Jamal, he's hilarious. Plus, he puts his heart out on the field. He is funny. He is a funny guy, um, and like I, he just like you will hear him talk about Pokemon, uh, and and Naruto by the by the time the year is done. Mark my words. D Granger says Mickey is taking charge of things and setting things instead of letting things just happen. I like this approach. Who dat? You know, I I don't know if he is necessarily taking charge of things. I think he's just allowing the market to dictate the value right like and if the value is is too high you you move on and you say we have really good grades on these guys we're gonna go get them we can get them at decent at a decent number and you and you go from there i don't like seeing i don't i don't want to say like but you don't want to be the team that signs kenny galladay to a huge contract and you don't really understand Kenny Galladay. You're just doing it because you can. And that's what you see with like the Falcons is they have all this money, but like you you have it now because you've kind of reset. But in three years, you're going to be like, man, we just paid Jesse Bates $60 million. Why, why did we do that? You know, we, we just paid Caden Ellis like a top 10 linebacker. And while he might be very good, is he a top 10 linebacker? I don't know. You paid a 30-year-old David Onyemata, like a top 10 defensive tackle. Is he a top 10 defensive tackle? Or did you just have the money? And I think that's where you kind of see that balance uh, shuffle. But, you know, you look at the kind of climbing numbers on the salary cap and on the, and on the kind of positional rankings. And, you know, it, it only makes the Saints approach seem smarter because you're maximizing that money when that money goes farther, right? Like by the time you have a chance to spend that money in three years, you're going to be spending $10 million more at that position rather than what you were able to do now. So uh, I, I think it's, a I think the approach he's taking and the saints are taking this year is a good one. Randall Alfrecht, Jamal Williams lived in the end zone last year. He really did. 17 touchdowns is remarkable for a guy that, Probably isn't the be- Wasn't the best running back on his team. It was a very, it was a very Legarrette Blunt type season, if you remember that guy. Austin Kloska says we need a rangy safety for the future. I, I agree. I think you need to try to find one in the draft. Gorilla Man Joe Atlanta has gotten better on defense. Getting two good players from us will make a difference. Sure, I agree. I think they did get better on defense, but you know they spent heavily to get better on defense and. I don't know if they got better by enough to be competitive, and that's where it's like, where's the balance there? Like, are you ready to win? Because these are a, these are these are co- contracts you're handed out as if you're ready to win, and I just don't know if they are. Like you don't it, like, I don't know if you're ready to win until you have a quarterback in there, and I don't think that Desmond Ritter is the guy. And even if he is, like, I don't know if he's ready to win at the level that would make sense to spend sixty million dollars on a safety. I don't know. It just seems it seems imbalanced in terms of the timeline to compet to competitiveness versus the amount you're spending right now on a guy like a 30-year-old David Onyamata. Austin Klaska here, Tajay Spears in the fourth, and Kayshawn Booty in the second would be nice. Kayshawn Booty. He might I-, I don't know if I've ever seen someone hurt his stock more by showing up at the NFL Combine, but whew. A 29-inch vertical leap for a wide receiver? What? That's crazy. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the Saints are going to go wide receiver in the second round. Um, but, you know, it, yeah, I, I, I would love to see Tajay Spears in the fourth round. All right. Here's one more question. And then we'll close out here from KD. Should we prioritize defensive back or wide receiver first in the draft? And I'm not sure if you mean early or just total. I think you have to prioritize defensive tackle at one of your first two picks. I would love to see the Saints land one of the talented tight ends in this draft, maybe in the third or fourth round. If you're asking me, like, if I had to pick one or the other, I would like to see the Saints go after rangy safety and really add depth there because, you know, you were talking about two safeties, like, you feel, you know, you have two starters in Marcus May and Tyron Matthew, but they are veterans. Um, you know, like you want to have depth behind them and young depth that you can develop with a Tyron Matthew, with quality veterans. So I would go f- first for a defensive back just because, you know, you, you have two young wide receivers who you're still developing. So you don't feel like you need that. But, you know, if someone you really love falls to you in the fourth round, I, I could see them going after it. But all right. That's going to be it for this edition of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Thanks, everyone who listened, who chimed in a comment. Always appreciate everyone who watches these because it makes me feel a lot better about myself. Thanks. Um, But all right, if you haven't subscribed, make sure to do that. Keep an eye out for the next episode of the week, which you post on Friday. Um, we're gonna, Steve Geller will be back, and we're gonna get into a lot more of, you know, kind of the impact. I'll have more time to digest some of these signings. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk to one or two of these signees. I can't wait for the Jamal Williams interview. It's gonna be hilarious, and uh, and it's gonna be a good time. But all right, y'all, be easy. Be-